Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial, and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. To those who are new to the channel, I always like to make this announcement. It's good for you to learn how to navigate your way around this channel, so please go to the channel dashboard. Um, that means that you click the symbol for the Master's Voice Prophecy blog and it will take you to the dashboard and then you're going to see things like video, you're going to see things like home, you're going to see things like community and about. And there I have playlists where you can familiarize yourself with what this channel is about. This is an end times prophecy channel. I am not here sharing personal opinions. I am bringing forth the prophetic word of the Lord as they, it has been revealed to me in dreams and visions and in prophetic teachings, which uh, those videos are also available. And so there is a playlist for Russia and China, and I strongly advise that new people start there. The reason that Russia and China prophecies are integral to the work that the Lord called me to do is because I am called to prophesy the current times, the past times, and the future times of the nature, the nation of America, what her past has been, her sins, her crimes in the eyes of God and in all the eyes of the heavenly witnesses, what her current status is, meaning all the missteps, mistakes, and stubborn rebellious ways that America continues to walk into this day. And then what will become of her in the future? How is this country going to end her days? Is she going to end her days like a beloved and favored old person who gets to retire and sit at home, watching the grandchildren grow up and relaxing in the warmth of the sun on the porch? Or is she going to go down in a blaze, not of glory, but of judgment, according to Revelation chapter 18 in the Bible? And so, this channel is covering America's trajectory from past to present to future. All the things that God says will be here as he pours out first his displeasure, then his judgment, and finally the final destruction of the United States of America. However, I shared in um, recent videos that God says that his eye is roving. And I personally have been encountering that and experiencing that in a totally new way. Normally the Lord will speak to me in dreams and visions and directly putting his word into my spirit for me to put it down on paper. But what I'm starting to see is that God is speaking forth a lot more, so much so that some of the prophecies that I have put on the blog and even new ones that have come, have come forth directly during spoken prayers and spoken prayer calls in the presence of other people. So I shared one such prophecy on the blog and said that everything in this prophecy actually came out during a live prayer call that I was having with a particular intercessor for this ministry. And again, that happened yesterday, completely unexpected. The first time it happened, I think was four or five days ago. And that was an hour of live prophecy that the Lord brought forth. And I did not get to record anything because when you are in the midst of speaking forth the Lord's word, I shared with the intercessor that it is almost like walking down an extremely dark hallway. And the only light you have is the direct picture or information that is in front of you for that moment. So as you're speaking it out, you are directly looking at something, saying something, elocuting something, um, basically bringing it out real time as the Lord is saying. 
And so a lot of that, thank God that woman has an amazing memory. She was able to help me collate all that God said, and I published it. And I recently did a video that is called A Whole Judgment Part 2. It's actually Part 3. The word A Whole Judgment has come on the Master's voice two previous times, and then it came again. And this time God was talking about the wildness in the heart of America, that America is like a wild, untamed, and stubborn ox or donkey that will not listen to her master, will not listen to the Lord, also said that the country is like sour grapes, a wild vine. When he, the Lord, had done all the work, he dug up the rocky ground. He chose a lovely place on a high hill that gets good drainage and sunshine, planted a quality vine, surrounded the vineyard with protection, built a tower in it so that the watchmen would be able to cry out if anyone came to attack or steal his good grapes. And God said that at the end, he got wild vines, sour grapes. And for that, he said he will rip up the entire vineyard, burn it, allow it to be trampled, spoke about the coming of enemies, invasion at the end of time. After I finished that video, the Lord began to speak again. And I have to say, I was like, Lord, I was right there recording the video in front of you. You could have just given me all these things and I would have just put them in the video. But anyway, here are the additional things that the Lord said. This video is called Set the Captives Free, but it's not only talking about the captives that God was speaking about after that video. It's talking about a lot of other stuff. And so I pray that I will be true to these additional words that I received from the Lord on the same date, September 4th, 2022. The first part of this message is to prisoners. So I'm not talking to prisoners of hope. I'm not talking to people who are waiting for Jesus to come back and take them off to glory. I'm not speaking to any type of person except the person that's actually doing hard time in the penitentiary, a person who is in jail, a person who is perhaps in juvenile detention, someone who your physical freedom has been taken away because of your own rebellious ways, your own sin, or because as God said, some people have grown up in deplorable circumstances whereby there was nothing that was going to happen in their life except to end up in jail. So they were on a bad path from the beginning, a bad background, a bad neighborhood, bad company. And the Lord was saying that the end of that is basically being set up to fail. And so it's no surprise those people ended up in jail. So the word is this, to prisoners, actual prisoners, people in jail, people doing time for crimes that they actually did commit. I'm not talking about anyone who is still protesting the innocence. You're in jail, you know you did things, and yet you keep bringing appeal after appeal just because nobody has evidence, and so you want to fight the crime. This is people doing time for stuff they actually did. God says that he will comfort you in your straits, which means your physical constraints, your shackles, your chains, your limitations, your lack of freedom. He says that you should remember the chains that were upon Apostle Peter when he was taken by the ruler at that time, the Tetrarch, Herod, and he was put into prison. And at that time, the apostles were considered such radioactive and dangerous people because they were definitely overturning the, the order of the day. They were preaching a gospel that was so radical that it was upsetting not just the Jews, but the Greeks, and they would cause basically a commotion wherever they went. And so there was a time when 
the ruler put out his hand and he, he grabbed hold of James and he also grabbed hold of Peter. And what happened was James was put to death right away, but Peter was put into prison. And Peter was considered so dangerous that Peter was locked down between four squads of four, where each squad of soldiers contains four. So Peter was in prison being watched over by a contingent of 16 guards. And at the time the Lord intervened to get him free, Peter was actually sleeping and chained to two of those men. Let me read the scripture. So when he had arrested him, him being Peter, and put him in jail, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him out before the people after Passover, Peter was therefore kept in the prison, but constant prayer was being offered to God for him by the church. Mothers, never stop praying for your children who are in prison. Never stop covering them. Never stop offering up their hearts to God for the Lord to intervene and change their hardened nature. A lot of time people, they commit crimes and then they get the just punishment for those crimes. And then they're angry. And part of the things that the Lord was asking me is, why are they angry? Are you not actually paying the penalty for your actions? But prison can have a detrimental effect on people. And so the Lord definitely understands that. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. This is Peter. Peter sleeping between the guards and an angel comes in. It says a light shone in the prison and the angel struck Peter on the side and raised him up and said, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out following the angel and he did not know that what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision. So this is Peter, an angel physically comes into the prison to set him free, tells him, get, get dressed, put your coat on, put your shoes on, uh, and follow me. And Peter is doing this, but he's thinking that he's having a vision. He doesn't know that this is happening real. It says, and when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and the gates opened to them of their own accord, and they went out, and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel, and has delivered me from the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So Herod was planning to put Peter to death, much the way that they brought out Jesus and they brought out Barabbas at the Passover and said, which prisoner should we free? This man was thinking that he could curry even more favor with the Jews because the Jews were highly against this Christian doctrine of salvation by belief upon Christ. They wanted to do things the old way. And so Herod was thinking, I could get quite a bit of mileage. I've already killed James and they celebrated me for doing that. I think um, at Passover, I'm going to bring out this Peter and have him executed in the same way. But God had another plan for Peter, and we will soon find out why. It says that God intervened and he sent an angel. And the Lord is telling me right now, so when you go and read this prophecy, this part will not be in there because the Lord is seeing this right now, that there's this thing called Justice Project. And he says that many types of organizations like Justice Project are going to be responsible by his grace and in his power for bringing a lot of these people out. The people that will come out are falsely accused people. God is no longer going to stand for this false 
narrative, false crime, false accusation, false 40-year sentences that are being given to people on bogus charges by some blind old eyewitness that said, I swear it was him. He looked just like God is not going to do that anymore. These false accusations, God is saying that when you point your finger and you accuse someone falsely, before you can think, before you can cough, you are going to get a ricochet effect back at you for telling a lie. And I have been saying this to people for many times that we are coming closer to the end of times. And one of the things that will signal that is that it will feel as if we have gone back to the Old Testament. So in this new time, when you do stuff, God has been trying to tug at your heart and speak to you and reach you we're coming out of this extended grace period where you get to struggle with issues for a long time. There's going to be a boomerang effect taking place. There's going to be a ricochet effect taking place. You put out your hand, you connect with sin. Sin is going to bite you almost instantaneously. And in some cases, people are going to end up paying the full wages of sin, which as we know from the Bible is death. So God says things like the justice project, I think there's things like that, but other foundations that have money to burn, other philanthropic intervention, justice, balancing the scales type of things. These people are going to be very involved in bringing the innocent people, the falsely accused people out of prison, but also people who have been justifiably accused and have been rightly found guilty of their actions. God is saying, He's in the business of second chances and he's going to deliver those people against all odds. God is going to carry out a plan to free you. He says that he needs you. This is back on track with the message that is written down. He says he needs some of these people because you are end times gifts to the churches. You are full of the oil of his anointing, but because of a bad foundation, this is a bad start, a bad childhood compounded by bad choices. You ended up in prison. In some cases, you ended up in prison and you are eating the fruit of your own rebellious ways. That's right. You went astray into rebellion, crime, and you have been given the just reward of your foolishness, which was to go to jail. But God says that he is sovereign and he is having mercy on people because there's a lot of good oil. This means good use in people and he says that he is determined to use that oil in you before time comes to a close there are prisoners who are pastors teachers and evangelists god says he will break the prison gates to bring some of them out to do this work that they were born to do said some of them some of you will preach and teach right where you are in jail but some of you, God says that your freedom is much more valuable to him than your chains. Meaning that God knows he can get greater mileage out of bringing you out, rehabilitating you, than letting you languish in jail for a 15 or 20 year sentence just to satisfy the desire of the state for whatever it is you did. A lot of people get offended at this when God superimposes his form of justice on top of the justice of man. But then, if God is not sovereign and he does not have the right to overrule mankind, then what is the point of him being God in the first place? He says he's going to bring people out on probation. He's going to bring them out on exchange programs. 
He's going to bring them out on reduced sentences. He's going to bring them out on rehab programs that are aimed at reducing congestions in the jail and things like that. He said that when he works and does these things, it's going to look just like the system working. So it's going to look like the judges themselves decided, oh no, I reviewed this person's sentence. It was too harsh to give this person 840 years for stealing a purse. We're going to reduce it to time served and let this person go. He said, it's going to look like the system is recalibrating itself, the justice system, but it's actually him. He says he wants you to know that it is him flexing his muscle on your behalf to give you a second chance and set you free. Another thing that the Lord is saying to me right now is that prisoners are going to come out into something like a, a support family. So you know when you travel overseas, they have these families that say, come and stay with us. You don't need to stay in the dorms. Come and live with us. You could even learn a second language living with us and things like that. I see that men are going to come out and live in some kind of family structure that will take them in and give them that love and that healing and that rehabilitation and support that they need. And some of these families are not even going to be the natural families of these men. This is because God is saying that in many cases, the natural family of some of these men, because these men and women were so stubborn, the natural family completely gave up on them. The natural family has not visited you in prison for ages. They don't want to have anything to do with you. Even when you try to call them collect, God says they reject your call. When they say this is a call from Cook County, or this is a call from Kings County, they say decline. Your mom won't take your calls. Your dad doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Your sisters have acted as if there were only two children born in the family instead of three because of whatever it is that you did. But God said he will bring you out and he will rehabilitate you in families that will love you better than your natural family. Another thing that the Lord was saying to me before I put the camera on is that many of these men are hardened criminals. So it is not just going to be the people who, uh, you know, steal the jack out of the boot or rob the convenience store and things like that. It's going to be men who have committed uh, what society looks like at as justly hard crime. But God says that he knows you. He says that he knows you and he knows your inside parts is tender. It has either been tender by what you have suffered or it is tender despite what you have done. And he says that I'm going to bring out these hardened men and I'm going to rehabilitate these men in such a way that nobody will believe that I could get oil out of the rock. And another thing is that God is saying to women that some of you are going to marry these criminals. God has been talking to me uh, about marriage and uh, I think... Yes, that word was posted on the blog a day or two ago. God is saying that these men are going to be brought out and they're going to be given wives, women who will work with them, women who will support them with the particular understanding of knowing that a man who has come out of prison for better or worse is never going to be the same as a man who has never ex um, experienced that kind of society. Because some of these men, God says, have suffered terrible damage in areas of sexual breach. Either they were participating in a wrong lifestyle of sodomy or it was forced upon them because prison is a horrible and harsh environment. And I spoke about this in the sodomy ritual part one where God was saying that some of these men, when they come out, 
Their anger problem is massive. And the reason their anger problem is massive and the reason that they have such tender and fragile male egos is because of unspeakable things that were done to them in prison. But God says that he will give you wives and your wives will love you and heal those parts inside of you that have been broken. Now here's a word of caution. See to it that you do not defile your garment, your, your garment a second time when the Lord keeps his word and honors this message to get you free, see to it that you do not return as a dog to your previous vomit. This is what God says. I will not look kindly on anyone who wastes a chance at repentance and the mercy of a second chance. So God does what he says. He brings you out. And the first thing you do is get on the phone and call little Ricky. You will be back in prison before the sun sets on that day. You come out, God has brought you out on probation. Yes, the probation officers have spoken to you and approved you, but the Lord says he worked like he worked with Peter to get you out. And then the way you pay God back is to go and start running with the old crew, asking them, so do we have a heist this weekend and all that sorts of stuff. Your second chance will be revoked so fast and you will be back in that prison and the Lord will move on and find somebody else. Another thing the Lord has been saying for a few days, and he finally crystallized it more, is that there will be a scandal in the White House. So this part is just called, the first part was called set the prisoners free. The second part is called White House scandal. The Lord says that a large scandal is coming for the current administration of the United States. Now what it will be, I do not know. The Lord has not elaborated it to me. It's just that that day when I turned off the camera and processing the video, the Holy Spirit kept saying, shame, a great shame, a scandal coming to this government over and over. And so I finally had to ask and clarify, Lord, are you speaking about the general governance of the United States? Now, in every video, when I'm speaking of the government, I always clarify which government I'm speaking of, a past administration. Usually these prophecies are directed at the overall stretch of US governance. When God is saying the government, the government, he's speaking 50, 60 years back when he's talking about the disclosure of aliens and things like that, when he's talking about secret programs, for instance, it was from God that I learned that America brought Nazis to this country. When the Lord used to say it to me way back years back, I would just think, I wonder why God keeps talking about the rise of Nazis in the end times. Why does God keep mentioning Nazis? I literally thought that Germany was going to make the same mistake and that Nazis was going to rise again. But God used to say, no, America is the home of the new Nazi. And so I thought, oh, maybe it's Nazi policies, especially with the dreams I've been seeing, you know, a very strict totalitarian government in this country, people snitching on one another, neighbors watching each other and calling something like the Gestapo. But no, the Lord broke it to me that America had Nazis here. And when I went and I did the digging, behold, as I said, the word paperclip. And I will just mention that this. At the time I was looking, this was way back in, I think, 2014. You could not find this information except you were looking for it on blogs. You would only find like blog hits and things like that. So imagine that now if you take this advice I'm giving you to those who did not know, 
that Nazis were brought over here after the Second World War. They were given new names. They were given new identities. They were given jobs that real Americans would kill to have. Jobs in the space programs, jobs in the military, the highest levels. You couldn't find this kind of information, but now if you type in Operation Paperclip, Wikipedia will throw out results. And I said that one thing we should understand here in the United States is this. America will always hide the truth when it is expedient, meaning it will hide the truth for as long as is necessary. When you start to see previously redacted information, hidden information, suddenly flowing like wine in these internet streets, understand that America no longer needs to hide that, op that information because they've already done with it what they need to do. Just a moment. So when information that people have been mocked for and ridiculed for is suddenly readily available and you can suddenly find it on any browser, any website, people are just making videos about it now, then you understand that the time period for secrecy, the time period for classified information is over because they've already accomplished what they need to in the end game. This is feeding into some of the information from the prayer call. The end game is now to flip the script and use readily available sources such as public media, such as the news, such as the internet, to suddenly be the champion of this information. So what the government does is hide things when they're actually working with things. And then when they've already accomplished things, when half the people involved have already died and gone on to peace without being exposed, suddenly you will find that information in the public space and the media will begin to act as if they can't wait for people to find this out. So this scandal that God is talking about it's not to do with the general governance of the country over 50, 60 years. He says that this is for a particular administration, a scandal coming to the current White House, and it will involve President Joe Biden directly. And God says his white head will come down in shame. This is Bible language. It means your old years, your latter years will lack peace and dignity. So in the old days, if you were a bad king, it is very rare that you would even live until you were old. You read the book of Chronicles and you can see that some kings had a very long reign. And then other kings, they would die within five to eight years, three to five years. And then another king would come. And if you study their behavior patterns, it was usually the evil kings that died pretty quickly one after another. So if you live long enough, you understand the Bible principle that says um, gray hair is a crown. God honors elders and he wants us to respect our elders. However, when it is said of you that your white head will come down in shame, it means that you will live out your days in the midst of scandal. You will be plagued by stories. You will become in a way the butt of a joke. You will walk in shame, surrounded by talk, and without the dignity that you deserve by reason of being an older person. So I saw the White House is sitting, like, you know, I saw a picture of it, you know how it sits back there on the lawn. I saw it and it had this heavy, dense fog, a fog cloud around it. And the Lord said that that cloud is scandal hanging over the White House. And when it is revealed, it will be a very big shame. The next part of the prophecy is called elevation and feet of clay. 
And I really want the servants of the Lord who have been praying for justification, the servants of the Lord who have been really praying to, to see, um, to hear good from the Lord, please listen. Because when prophecy comes, it is not coming according to the way many people have been taught that prophecy is only true prophecy if it makes you feel good. Prophecy is only true prophecy if it ha has some kind of hope. When Jonah went to Nineveh, there was no hope in the situation. The situation was, you're wicked. God has taken note of your wickedness, and this is the end of the road for you. The only reason that at least the earlier part of Nineveh's story contained hope is because the people rightly responded to the word of prophecy, and they repented. Their repentance was excellent. Um, there's, there's very few examples of top-notch repentance in the Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar was one, King Hezekiah was one, and Nineveh was one. When you repent, you get God's attention. When you repent, you get the softness. The, the, I call it the bone marrow part of God's heart. And so prophecy does not come to make us feel good. But in this case, God is speaking to people in the church. And if you rightly get a hold of this message, um, it may well be part of it for you. I know definitely um, the Lord spoke to me about this in my own life and it greatly buoyed me. So he says, elevation. I'm ready to put well-prepared servants and vessels into high places, but the problem is the fickleness of people. Some people are too poorly prepared. Despite all I have done to make them ready, they still have feet of clay. So feet of clay is just a euphemism or it's a phrase or saying that means this. You're building a very valuable item such as a statue. Let's pretend we're in ancient Greece and a great statue has been commissioned and the king says, I want to see a, a brilliant statue of, of this or that. Build me a statue and make it of gold or make it of silver. So you begin, the artisan, the worker, will begin to make this statue. But then maybe the king hasn't given enough gold or maybe the worker has stolen half the raw materials. As he makes the statue, he finds that as he's getting to the bottom, which is usually where the feet of the statue are, he's run out of the quality stuff. There's no more silver, there's no more gold. So what is he going to do? He's going to use a much cheaper material. And I'm not even talking bronze or brass or iron, which is steady. He's going to use something as cheap as clay. So he will make a clay mold for perhaps the knees and the feet or just the ankles and feet. And then he will cover it with a veneer of gold or silver so that when you look at the statue, it looks like it has integrity. I spoke of integrity. It means to be completely solid from top to bottom with no holes or questionable areas. So when you look at this statue, it looks like an all silver statue. But what will happen is, and I hope you can see this picture and see that, that impact at the bottom. What will happen is that when pressure hits, so when the pressure is on, when the heat is on, when there's severe pressing or duress put upon that structure, the feet just go and they disintegrate. Why? Because it's, it's basically dust. Clay, when it dries, it's just dust. If you drop a clay vessel on the ground, it shatters. So the feet, the most important part that upholds the entire body, our feet hold up 
our entire skeleton, all the weight, all the, the meat that's on us, our feet hold that weight every day. And yet if the feet are weak, as soon as there's an impact, the entire structure will fall. And God says there's a lot of people that he wants to promote. They're out there looking indestructible, but if anything were to hit them in the feet, the whole situation, that whole person will show you just how undependable, unreliable, unstable they are, and they will topple. To have feet of clay in a spiritual sense means that you still have leaven in you. You still are clinging to false beliefs. You still have wickedness. You still have yeast in you. You still have pride in you. You're the kind of person you love God, but you only partially obey God. You're the kind of person God will send you to plow a field. You only plow half the field and then you say, I'm tired. And besides, I've done more than Bill and Bob over there. I deserve a rest. And you leave the rest of the field unplowed. You're slow to obey when he talks to you. So you put God's instructions off until a time that's convenient for you. Or you want the things that God says to you to make sense before you obey. And many of the old videos are full of this. God will speak to your heart, not directly telling you something, but you begin to feel a tugging in your heart to do something. You won't rise and do it. You won't say, I'm going to use my lunch break and do it. You're not going to say, I'm going to get home and I'm immediately going to put a plan in place to obey what I feel, what keeps coming to my heart. No, you're waiting to see how it all works out. You're waiting for God to give you the money beforehand before you do the thing that's going to require money. So you're not willing to take the money out of your pocket and go ahead and do that thing in faith, knowing that God from the back will restore whatever you have poured into obedience. You want him to foot the bill up front. You want him to make it make sense, God, before you listen. So it might even be people who have outright unbelief. There are a lot of Christians. They call themselves Christians, but they are not. They are tares in the midst of the wheat and fire is coming to burn up those people. Fire church. I'm telling you this real time. There is fire that is coming to burn up all the tares in the midst. And that is when we are going to see how few we are like a couple of pinkies floating in the wind. So unbelief they say they believe god and yet they do not believe the whole word of god they they buffet the lord's word some parts that they do not want to believe because maybe their child is breaking that part of the bible so it's like no i choose to support um Pumzile, or i choose to support samantha over what the word of god says because i'm her mother and i'm supposed to love her actually you're supposed to teach your child the full counsel of god keep their soul out of hell and then love them because if you lose the whole of them to the lake of fire you're just going to be empty-handed and crying in the end so choose the word of god first over social justice causes. Choose the word of God first over your political affiliations, your personal background feelings, all the filters that we walk around with in life. God says that all these things are false beliefs that mix in and corrupt Christian faith. And these things will cause you serious instability when you are put in the high areas, which he spoke about later, the areas of rarefied air. When there is serious instability in your faith, hidden areas of compromise that are fooling other people for now, they do not feel fool God. He says, as soon as the heat is on, as soon as the spotlight hit, hits you, as soon as pressure is put on you, you will flop, fold, compromise, and you will end up in public sin. 
because you are a slave to your feet of clay. God says that people who have feet of clay lack trustworthiness and integrity. You cannot rely on such people in the long run. They lack wholeness. God says he wants to elevate some people, but their problem is their petty habits, petty lying, petty stealing, fornicating, jealousy, envy, backbiting, lust, unforgiveness, and a million other hidden habits that he does not want to risk having exposed in the long run. So this is something that is a long running conversation between the Lord and myself. Since I was a very young person, I felt it in my heart. And I would say to the Lord, Lord, why is it that people do not love you enough to stop embarrassing you in public? Why is it that the so-called servants of God are such craven um, followers of their flesh that they do not elevate loving God? Why is it that as Christians, we don't care about God's reputation? Why is it that we're not aware that as God is watching the earth, that Satan is also observing this earth? Why doesn't it occur to us as a body that every time we go outside of the bounds of God's law, it gives Satan a reason to laugh at God and mock at God. The Bible says that no man can mock God, but to mock at something means to make light of it, to make sport of it, to laugh. Why is it that we, we are so willing? I have said this in many videos. Why is it that as soon as someone um, insults you personally, you bristle, which is natural, and you rise up to defend your own reputation. Where is the bristling for God's reputation? Why is the church so full of Pharisees? Why is it that when a Christian draws the very line in the sand that the Bible draws in the sand, it is within Christianity that Pharisees, I call them neo-Pharisees, the new breed, they will rise up to attack that Christian, don't judge and whatever. Why is it that in modern times, with God's reputation on the line, the church is increasingly showing herself to be a sympathizer of sin, a follower of social justice causes? Why is it that you can look online and see the church saying things like, well, at least he came out and finally said he's gay, you know, live your truth. Where in scripture are we told to live our truth? Strip scripture itself is truth. We are to conform to its truth. The Bible never says, come unto me, all ye who wish to use the name of Christianity to live your truth. Why have we become like this? Don't we know that when we sin, Satan just goes, come, come. Come, my little chickies, under my wings. And then he looks up to the Lord and says, you see, you threw me out, but they prefer me after all. God is going to elevate people very swiftly, but the warning I am told to bring is this. Same as the prisoners, if you are lifted to a prominent place and you end up being a stooge for the devil, if God opens doors in the palace for you and brings you into place where they're talking money, power, influence, social changes that will affect districts, that will affect your county, your country, your state, your region, then God brings you and gives you a seat at that table. And instead you begin to become a doorway for demons. Everybody is going after work for the Chablis and the after work drinks and they're going to get falling down drunk and you're like, well, you know, I don't want to be weird and everything. So I'm going to go with them and I'm just going to drink lemonade. Really? Can you, can you drink the cup of the Lord and drink the cup of devils? Can you sit at the table of the Lord and sit at the table with demons? If you become a doorway for demons, 
If you become a stooge for the devil, if you begin to operate as a half and half unfaithful steward, God says you will fall out of that position just as fast in just as shocking a fashion as you were put there. The same way he said that whoever comes out of jail and starts to violate their probation and begins to run with the same pack of wolves who got you in jail in the first time, you will be back in jail before you can cough, is the same thing he says, that if he raises you up and you begin to compromise righteousness in that position, you will fall out of that position just as fast as he puts you there because God is looking for faithful stewards People who can hold their new positions for years. People that he can even promote higher than where he will put them because he wants them to represent his interests in the modern world. First time I got this prophecy was in 2020 and I brought it faithfully many times on my Facebook. I was not yet um, on YouTube. God had said to me that I've prepared people in every walk of life. So this is not only raising you up in the church. The church is so insular in many ways. We think that all of life is being chosen to be a youth pastor. So everybody should aspire to be a youth pastor. Doesn't matter if someone was born to be an athlete. Doesn't matter if someone was born to be is a whiz with numbers. Doesn't matter if somebody has superior gifts in understanding, um, I don't know, sentient AI and things like that. The church just feels, well, to be truly Christian, you should be serving in the church. And it doesn't work like that. We are all gifted differently. If God calls you to the house, calls you to the ministry, then by all means, you have to be a house steward, a house minister. But if God is calling you to be a whiz in the business world, and why are you trying to be, I don't know, a, a deaconess or, or, or assistant pastor? That's not your place. We excel when we run in our lane. God says that he will shift unfaithful people out of high places in all walks of life because he has prepared Davids to replace the Sauls, the unfaithful people who abuse their position. I have been saying this, at least on Facebook, since 2020 unfaithful stewards who have wasted the master's resources are going to fall and they will be replaced with faithful people who put the agenda of Jesus first. America, you are upset because all the teachers have rainbow colored hair and are trying to low key. It's not even low key. It's as obvious as the nose on our faces. They are trying to push their multi, um, multi-blended Zezuzi, um, sexual, highly sexualized agenda on small children instead of teaching them that two plus two is four. What is the difference between green and yellow and things like that? We are upset. And at the same time, Christian people are not becoming teachers or they're being stifled by the policies. And instead of trying to band together or do something to push back against this, we're just having angry parents meetings. And yet policies are still not favoring the righteous. So that means that the righteous need to understand that they need to begin to multiply themselves in places where the territory is being lost or shocker, the territory will continue to be lost. And so God had said that he would give away the seats of unfaithful stewards entitled stewards in shocking twists of circumstance. He said that people who have been holding office in the United States and they've just been running and keeping the space, running and keeping the space. He said he was going to shock them out of those long-term positions. They were going to be tumbled out of there by literal nobodies 
who would run on their own personal ticket and take their place. He said that even presidents would not be safe from this fall. And since I began to bring this word, we've seen it fulfilled in Haiti, in Sri Lanka, now even in England, we are seeing it, and Venezuela. He said that he would give those spots to hard workers who were next in line. So it would be a natural progression that the unfaithful steward would fall, and the faithful person who was next in line, who was always being overshadowed by that unfaithful person, would get the position. So this is a visible person who's in the company, but is being overlooked because the unfaithful person kept taking the seat. The unfaithful choir director kept being elected every cycle. But another type of person that God says he will bring out is the carefully prepared, but fully hidden person that nobody had ever heard of to come and take these seats. Another thing that God says is that the people who have been faithfully working in his field that are not married would receive end times spouses. Now, this is just not some random person that God is going to bring to you. The Lord said that this person is going to be the perfect match for you. They're going to be able to match you in skill. They're going to be able to match you in grace. They're going to be able to match you in anointing. They're going to be able to match you in strength. And the reason for that is because God says that he has put a yoke on the shoulder of the faithful oxen. And that partner that comes for you needs to be able to pull the plow with you. You have to be able to pull the Lord's plow together. No longer would the hardworking ox work alone. No longer will the hardworking ox be forced to work with a donkey who is a bad and ill-fitting partner for them. Whether that donkey is at the office, stubborn, lazy people who do the bare minimum, but they still get paid the same as you. They never want to work late, but because it's a joint project, you know if you don't work late, you both are going to get a bad assessment. So these people knock off at five when they know that something is due at 7 a.m. the next morning. You're the one who pulls the all-nighter. You're the one who's constantly carrying this person. And because you don't want to be a snitch at work, you don't want to be a snitch on the postgraduate um, joint thesis or whatever, you have been picking up the slack while the donkey has been getting the same grade, same pay, same praise as you. In your personal life, it has been the same. There are some people who are yoked to people that make absolutely no sense. The partner that you have, that you're calling it your girlfriend, your boyfriend, is the biggest dose of poison that you have ever taken since rat poison was invented. But for reasons known only to yourself, you continue to sit in that relationship. You have the grace of an ox. You have the anointing of an ox. But because you've been in a relationship for five years, you want to go five more with somebody who's bad for you just because you are a glutton for punishment. To those who are willing to hear the word of the Lord and come out of the ill-matching yokes, God says, this does not, I'm not speaking to married people here. I'm speaking to the unmarried you're just in a relationship, long-term relationship. I am not telling anyone, please ditch your spouse and tell yourself that you are the ox. God is speaking to the unmarried in ill-matched partnerships. So this is also not the unmarried who are sitting and minding their business and waiting in sanctification and holiness to be given spouses. You're part of the first part of the prophecy. You've been laboring in this field of God and God says that a perfectly matched ox, male ox, female ox, somebody who's perfectly matched to you will come and you, you will marry them as the man or they will marry you if you're the woman. So this second part is to those who God has this higher 
this higher grace, this higher yoking, this higher spouse for you, but you're slumming it in the crocodile pool for whatever reasons, he says that the wrong matched people who are with you will be removed so that the right person can be yoked to you if you are single. So if you're out there on Tinder and Binder and whatever, and you suddenly get ditched, don't lament that. Sometimes God just has to cut the jungle fronds so you can be able to see the true path and walk to the real destiny that he has for you. God is saying he will fire all the donkeys. And according to Isaiah 10 and 27, he will break the uneven yoke that was choking many oxen and he will give them good work partners, good business partners, good PhD partners, good school partners to do the joint projects and good marriage partners so that they can be happy, satisfied and successful as they work for him. Now let's go back to why God says people fail when they are promoted. The reason that he's given this information is because if you do not know what people fall prey to, then when you are promoted, unfortunately, you will fall on the other side of the sword of this prophecy. You're promoted is the positive side. And then you go and start acting out and acting like a child of the heathens. And then you will fall out of that promotion. And that is the, the cutting blade side of the prophecy. Yah says that he is taking people to the palace, to places of betterment and of political influence, especially. Now here it is. The Lord is saying it himself. And the reason I have constantly been saying it in the prophecies is because I've been hearing this stuff since three years ago. That nations tumble into tumult, nations tumble into disrepair, nations tumble into contrary unrighteous agendas. Why? Because Christians abandon those areas to go and hang out on Telegram and Facebook and share their Christianity with each other. Hey brother, I see that post, I agree brother, like, click. Meanwhile, the country is going to the dogs because the unrighteous people are doing unrighteous things. And when it says, when they say, here is an unrighteous motion, let the, let the eyes and all the eyes are like unrighteously. And then the righteous are like, oh, I saw this on the news. This country is just, I hate it. Well, here's the reason why. I am voiceless in the high places. That means that there's not even one or two rats squeaking and saying, our God doesn't like this and we just want to vote against. I am voiceless in the high places. There is no flag flying there for me. Let's talk about the palace. The palace, the Lord says, is a place of rarefied air. What is rarefied air? It's air that is very hard to breathe. It's not oxygen rich. It's not dense air as we get down here on earth. It's very thin air. And that is why people who climb mountains and people who go deep into the caves, they work out a lot in the gym. You may not think that spelunking, which is the act of going deep into the caves or, you know, mountain climbing and things like that. You may wonder why is such a person working out? That person is working out because aerobic exercise increases and strengthens your heart. And it also increases your lung capacity. When you're climbing mountains, the air is hard to breathe. It's why people go up into the high elevations and then they faint. It's why they asphyxiate, which is choke, and sometimes they die. Mountain air is hard on the lungs and hard on the body. The Lord was telling me, he says, you have to be trained for it. You have to have practiced for months and months and months 
hiking at a low elevation, and then hiking higher and higher and higher before you can finally go and try the high hills and then Mount Everest. Or you need to have lived at increasingly difficult elevations, learning how to do with less oxygen because it takes more out of you to be able to breathe rarefied air. And listen to this, not everyone can handle it up there. Not everyone can handle it for God to take you from your local modeling agency and make you a top model because the top models, they, they use crack and cocaine to deal with those crazy schedules. They start off with energy drinks and then they begin to have this and that. And before you know it, they're taking drugs to be able to cope with these international traveling schedules. Is God going to raise somebody's daughter up there and the next thing we know, she's a coke fiend to be able to cope? And then only 20 years later, when she's 57 years old, then she will be on the cover of some magazine. This is my story of abuse in the modeling agency. Can God raise people to where the pressure is real? There's a thing. Christians have a lot of dichotomous views. Dichotomy means there's a separation. Here's reality, which the Bible follows. The Bible closely follows reality. Here's where a lot of Christian, Christians are. They believe all kinds of fluff, weird things that have nothing to do with what raw scripture teaches. There's Christians who believe that because God loves them, for instance, I see this a lot on the blog, they don't have to work. The love of God will just flow through the heart of their employer and then the employer will make special concessions for them. And in real life, if you do not perform to spec at school, if you do not perform to spec at work, if you do not perform to spec in your marriage, you will get fired. That is how it works. That's real life. But many of us feel that the love of God and reckless love covers a mediocre standard. And God is saying that in the high areas where decisions are made, where the decision makers sit, making decisions that affect entire school districts, it affects entire municipal districts, it affects entire states, it affects entire countries, regions, they don't care about the special concessions that many of us who follow Christ think are owed to us because we followed Christ. As I said to someone quite recently, real life doesn't care what you do in your spare time. You following Jesus is your business. In the workplace, there is a standard that is required. If you cannot meet that standard, you shall be fired. And the Daniels of the world who are able to be Christian and still impress the king of Babylon, they will take your place. That is real life. And so God says that elevation will either make or destroy people. As soon as you start raising people up, you're gonna find out what's in them. In the books of Chronicles, Kings, First Chronicles, First Kings, you find that certain people came to power suddenly. And even though there was pressure, and even though some of them were of very young age, they turned out in the long run to be excellent kings, such as King Josiah. And then there were certain people, you bring them to power. In five minutes, they're a flake. They show that their heart has no love for God, no desire to serve God. They only want to curry favor with the people, curate power, and lead the nation sometimes into shameful idol worshiping that brings shame and disdain to the name of God. Ahaz was one of those people. He brought the whole country into direct rebellion against God, him and his witchy wife. 
The Lord says that rarefied air will test people. And the test is this. When you get into those high positions, the conditions that exist there will pull out of you exactly what you already are. So if you are a righteous steward, when you get into the areas of high pressure, the cutting of the knives and the pressure and the late nights and the temptations will only cause righteousness to burst forth more of you. As the Bible says, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter unto a very bright day. But then again, the cutting and the pressure will show who's a flake, who's a compromiser, who's a fake Christian, who is readily, um, easily tempted to throw in his or her hat and just follow the general culture of wherever God is going to put you. God says that rarefied air, the palace, high-powered boardrooms, closed off corporate structures. We're talking about the top, top places and even some of the medium places where the people at the bottom have no idea of how decisions are being made up there. Places of money, power, influence, he said, where the rich move and play. God wants people there speaking God's laws, God's ways, kingdom agenda, people who will represent his view at the highest level of society. But as he kept saying to me that day, September 4th, Celestial, the problem is the rarefied air. As soon as I take people a little higher, there's some people, as soon as you get promoted to medium level general market, market manager or general manager at Walmart, you start yelling at people. You start, you start you're losing your human compassion. You just start saying anything. There's no restraint in your heart. There's no restraint on your tongue. God says, as soon as you lift people even a little higher than normal, they get ruined. They get tempted. They get seduced. This is you. You've been put in, in charge of the marketing portfolio for the very first time and told, you know what, Michael, we're going to let you head this project. And then your overall boss, who's never seen you before because you're always laboring in the back room, notices Michael's kind of cute. And this woman has slept with everybody who's been promoted to that area, which is why the men don't last long in that position. But you, Michael, are brand new and you don't know that. And so she begins to say, uh, Michael, I need you to stay behind. We need to talk about a few things. Isn't that how they always go? We, we, need, to, we need to iron out the details. Susan, this is you. Doug has slept with everybody in that new position, which is why the women don't last that long. But because you've been in the background under the cloud, the covering of Jesus, you have been protected by God, prepared for a moment like this. But then the female boss is looking at Michael and the male boss is looking at Susan and saying, let's, let's, why don't we consider this conversation? Let's continue this conversation um, at Chez Maison. It's just next door. And that's how they start grooming you and preparing you, trying to destroy you. Now, if you're not a person who loves your Bible and you're not a person who, ever, who knows the story of Joseph, who when Mrs. Potiphar began to notice what a handsome chief slave, Joseph left his clothing in the hands of that immoral woman and he ran away. Can God depend on you to run away? Or will you be one of these that he says, tempted, seduced? The other word that follows temptation and seduction is destroyed. You will be destroyed because after this man sleeps with you a few times, 
He's going to start talking to you like trash because that's what the destroying spirit inside lustful people does. Once that spirit has conquered you, there's no use and there's no need to treat you with dignity. So Michael, she'll begin to talk down to you the way women do when they're done with you and you won't be able to stand it. And then you will tender your resignation. And as the Lord says, you will fall out of the position as rapidly as he puts you in there. He says, when you elevate people a little, a little higher than normal, they get co-opted. To co-opt something is to cleverly buy it out. I used a picture recently of taking the M&Ms from the good jar a little at a time into the evil jar until Satan has all the M&Ms. And that's what Satan does. When people don't have firm convictions of what is good and what is evil, they're very easily undermined. It's like a picture of water eating away at the foundation of a house until one day, as the Bible says, the house fell. And how great was that fall? So when the enemy can cleverly buy you out a little at a time and convert you from the original purpose that God intended for you in that place and bring you over to a completely different purpose that renders you useful, useless for God, that is how people get turned by the devil when they are put at high levels. They see the devil's toys and they begin to lust after them. Or the devil will lead them step by step into compromising their values for material things. The Lord says that their spirits are not strong enough to resist the cup of demons that is constantly being served at the table of Satan. And soon they become compromised or outright fallen. And sometimes, as this picture shows, I found a really good picture. God says that sometimes they end up worse than the unbelievers they found when they got in the palace. Here are some of his comments. There are no lights shining in the palace. That is why the palace is dark. There is no one representing me. People think Christianity is a joke because the representatives of the faith are easily corrupted. They are as easily ruined as people who have no use for Jesus as all, at all. So if you are a Christian and the devil's gonna turn you out as easily as an atheist who doesn't care for God, what's the point of promoting you? The message that the Lord has given me to bring is this, promotion is going to happen, but here's what I saw. I saw people falling out of those positions almost as soon as they entered in. So I saw an open doorway like this, and I saw that people were lined up in the doorway like bowling pins. So here's the open doorway, and here's one bowling pin, and behind him, another, another, another. And I was wondering, is it a line of people all about to enter the door of promotion? No, the door was there, and one bowling pin came in. Soon as he came in, there was like a person standing there that knocked that bowling pin down. So the bowling pin fell, and as soon as it fell, another one popped up in its place. So they were just going down like this, like this, like this. As soon as they came in through the door, they were knocked down. And I felt how sad it was because it was showing me that Satan is better prepared to take God's people out of influence, out of places of influence, than God's people are prepared to enter through the door and continue standing and existing there. This last part of the prophecy is called the good steward. I saw that other people were not knocked down. They had spiritual integrity. They had worked on their souls. 
They had worked on their, their characters in the lean season, like King David. The reason that King David was able to exist in such a tough, high elevated place where he had enemies and he had temptations and he had the followers of Saul and everything, he lasted a long time because David truly loved God. Loving God is, I could almost call it the secret sauce. If you love God, you will be like the one who says, rejoice not over me, my enemy. You will be like the one where the Bible says, the righteous may fall seven times, but God will lift him up. When you love God and God is assured first and foremost that you are like Psalm 91 in verse 14 that says, because he has set his love on me. To set your love on God means it is God or die. It is God every day of the week that ends with why. It is God first. It is God with your finances. It is God with your spare time. It's different for married people. Married people have commitments that they must keep in order to please God. You cannot listen to a single person preaching to you and think, I'm, I'm going to set Marge and the kids aside. You, you, you will not please the Lord. As a husband, what pleases God is seeing a husband tending to his wife and children like a farmer diligently working for his crop to grow. But to a single person, you have all that free time and God is like third or fourth on your list of priorities. You want to make sure that the guys are checking you out. You want to look cute. You cannot even understand what righteous dressing is as a woman. Righteous dressing is as a man. God is your fifth or 10th priority. You're living God, living life with God as your wingman instead of God in the seat. People who work on their souls and their character in the lean times as David did, when David was a shepherd, he was singing songs to God and there was God looking in the palace at Saul who was always making excuses and Saul who was always involved in intrigues. How can I get the people to serve me more? How can I get these people to love me more? And David is fighting a leopard to protect the sheep and then at night makes his little fire and begins to pen these Psalms telling God, you are beautiful, you are lovely. You can't fool Jesus. He knows exactly where he is in your heart. Some of us, our love for God is off camera. It's invisible. And then for some, for some people, love for God is plastered over your countenance. When people see you, it is the radiance of Jesus Christ. You cannot fool God about where you have put him. And promotion comes from the Lord alone. It is not from the North. It is not from the Democratic Party. It is not from the Republicans. It is not from inside the organization. Promotion is from Jesus Christ alone. The same way that getting fired and kicked out of the company is also from him. The people who have worked on their souls and their characters in the secret place with God, he says they will not fall. And I saw these people, when they came through the doorway, they did not fall. In fact, I saw that they came through the doorway and within a very short period of time, new doors were open from them, for them. God was calling these new doors grand opportunities. So they not only entered through the door and maintained integrity, but God began to open impossible vistas for these people. He says they will go through multiple doors, climbing to higher realms of power. And some of these people are going to be given access even to places that other Christians think 
Christians should not go. Well, I don't agree with that. That's not a very Christian location. I'm not sure if he's all that righteous, if he would take that job, if she would go to that place. Government jobs, corporate positions. God says that entire school boards, entire school districts are going to be given to people to turn around because the false administrators are going to be caught out. Their secret tapes, their secret Zoom calls are going to come out and they are going to be voted out with speed. And the school board will be given to someone else and that person, because the grace of God is with them, God says they will turn that entire school district around and children will be safe again. God says that some people are going to go from being renters to becoming landlords. And some people are going to be given a seat on these highly closed off click rent boards. These things will be up for grabs and Christians should not be afraid to run for these positions or to apply for them. There will be open seats on the board after a huge scandal. Some people are going to get a pay raise, God says, after five, eight, 12 years where no one was acknowledging you because the manager who was on top of you constantly stole all your work, all your praise, and the company head did not even know that all this excellent work that was earning the company money, it was coming from you. This is what happened to Mordecai. Mordecai intervened and saved the king's life. But there was a long period where the king had no idea, even though Queen Esther told him, this news comes from Mordecai, my uncle, that there is a palace coup. The king forgot. But then one night, God troubled his heart. God will trouble kings for some of you. Some of you have not gotten your due in a long time. You've even been, been wondering if God has overlooked you, if God has forgotten you. But God says he's not unrighteous to forget your labor, how you do labor, how you do work in the field, and how you love his people. I know that that is a word the Lord gave me personally. The Lord has told me wonderful things in the last four or five days, things that have comforted my heart concerning some of the things that I go through as I carry out this work for him. That person who put you in the shadow or the high-ranking person who received a benefit from you and forgot about you, God says that it will be acknowledged and you will get a sudden boost. He called it a pay raise, but for some people it might be a promotion or it simply might be the commission that was due to you when you were flipping the houses and getting ripped off by your business partner. God says that you will come to work at that fast food place you've been working at. And when you open your locker, you're going to see a t-shirt there that says manager. And you're gonna look at it in shock. And when you ask questions, you'll be told that that person who was the manager, the person who was tormenting you all this time was fired. And corporate will make you the head. You take two days off because you're seeking God. God, I can't go to this job anymore. That woman hates me. That woman is torturing my soul. The day you come in to finish your shift, you will find that the manager's position is yours and that person has been fired. All this and more the Lord will do. He says it is not time to hang up your boots yet, which means it's not time to quit. It's not time to back down. It's not time to retire from an active position. And this is what God kept saying. I looked for a man to stand in the gap who will go for me. 
Now that's two scriptures. So as we close off this prophecy, the first one is this. I looked for a man among them, someone to close up the hedge and stand in the gap for me in the land so that I should not destroy it. But I did not find anyone. Ezekiel 22 and 30. That verse means that God was looking for someone to put in the empty spaces to block the gaps where Satan gets in, where the devil comes in like a flood. God was looking for someone to be a righteous standard to raise, but he couldn't find anyone. No one was fit because people were weak or scared or compromised or just fallen. The second verse is this. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, here I am send me. This is a picture of someone being readiness. This was prophet Isaiah's call. The Lord took Isaiah, purified his mouth, and then said, go forth and speak for me. Salvation is not given to us for us to share it among ourselves in the secret space of Christians. Jesus told us, go out into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, go out and make disciples of all nations. The palace air, the rarefied air should actually be where Christians are boldly living their faith. It's not every situation where you have to preach, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. People observe conduct. People observe character. That alone sometimes can be a testament. The kingdom of God will come, Matthew chapter 6 and 10. And so thank you for being with me. The title of this prophecy is prisoners will go free or release the prisoners. But God is talking about many things. God is talking about elevation. God is talking about people who will fall. God has been saying quite plainly to me that gatekeepers are going to fall. Sorry for the poor lighting. The sun has set and it's getting dark here in New York. Said gatekeepers will fall. A gatekeeper is someone who stands at the entryway of a position and prevents other people from entering in. So I was watching, um, I'm not a sports person, but I just, it came to my attention how many gatekeepers in the sport of tennis have fallen recently. The Williams sisters beaten in no time and sent out of there. In the men's, in the men's arena, all the normal gatekeepers have fallen and have cleared the space for fresh blood to come in. And that is exactly what God is doing. Gatekeepers will fall. And the Lord even said to me, Celestial, you also as a gatekeeper will fall. And I said to the Lord, how am I a gatekeeper, Lord? And he said, you are keeping my word. You are one of those who have been entrusted my word and you are keeping my word in the earth. But because people reject my truth, because they highly criticize it. And to tell you the truth, I, I always say that those on this channel who actually want the word of God with no caveats, you are so few, you are so tiny. And this is not my estimation. God knows it. And he's always saying it to me directly. But now he started to say it to other people. And they have been telling me the Lord is not happy with how much people reject and curse his truth when he brings. And so he said to me today, before I made this video, you also as a gatekeeper will fall. Simply meaning that he will take this word away. And I said it in, I think, 2021, because he had started to say to me, 
that I, I will take this word away and I will leave them in a famine. Just as the Bible says that in the last days, there will be a famine of God's word. People will be going to and fro. I did an entire video on it, that people will be going to and fro to the false prophet saying, please prophesy to us something, anything, because the real word will be missing. So the idea that God will serve a banquet and people will come by and say, what's going on here? Is there anything interesting? And spit in it and continue. Surely the Lord will withdraw that plate. And so this is Celestial with the master's voice. Thank you for being with me. Um, a heartfelt thank you to all of you who support this channel. I am appreciative of your gifts. I pray for you that God will return everything that you give back to you in multiples of multiples and that there will be a hedge of protection around you and your family. I pray the same for even those of you who are not um, supporting the channel. It makes no difference to me. One of my heartfelt desires for this channel, besides that the word of the Lord that comes here is listened to and honored, my heartfelt desire is that people will hear God in these messages, come away from the fences. It is a favorite saying of mine. Satan has electrified the fences. That means the half and half line where you're not sure if this is God or the devil, and you're not sure if you want to stop sinning and going to the clubs or not. Satan is upping, increasing the voltage in the fences. And at these times, like I said, Old Testament, you put out your hand to sin, the wages will come back to you suddenly, quickly, sharply, like a boomerang. So God bless you, and until I see you again, goodbye.